Welcome, everybody. It's time for Hollywood Godfather Podcast, and I cannot believe what I'm about to say. We're going into our third season. I can't, I mean, we're having so much fun. It feels like we're only here a week. <laughs> so we're going into our third year. I want to welcome my compadre, writing partner, Patrick. I almost said Patrick Ben David. Patrick Picciarelli. <laughs> Hello, Carlo. Hello. Oh, now you sound like uh, Clemenza. Anyway. As long as I don't look like him, we're okay. Thank God, yeah. Yeah. He's probably got worms crawling out of his mouth by now. I wasn't thinking that way, but... Oh. <laughs> and Megan, our Millennium. Hello. Our organizer. Here I am. Our, she's, she's a coordinator. She's got so many titles now. We're going to have to get you a bigger business card. Well, as How you doing, Gianni? I'm, I'm really excited. I mean... And, and I don't want to get too excited because I'm old. But anyway, this is, to me, whoever thought, here we are going into our third year. And we have a lot of surprises for our listeners because they are responsible for getting us here, fortunately. Our audiences are in the hundreds of thousands and now. And um, we want to give back to you. So we're going to have some great announcements later on. And uh, all through, and you'll see... And subscribe to our newsletter. That's the new key to everything for you and us, which we'll get into later on. And we have, uh, what are we going to talk about tonight, Pat? Well, you know, I was thinking, we've been on, uh, we're going into our third year, as you just said. And uh, we haven't spoken about our uh, mutual friend, uh, Howard Stern. We both have a history with this guy. And uh, we, we've just never brought him up, and I figured we can... We can talk about Howard, the things that people aren't aware of. And uh, everybody, hey, look, everybody's interested in Howard Stern. Well, but, it's funny you should say that because my, 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 my sons, who are avid Stern followers, are, are starting to. I don't, I don't listen to him, so I don't know that he changed this format. You know, I, I don't know he stopped having guests on. And uh, he's getting, he's not, he's becoming liberal. Is that the right word? Then well, he was more than, more than shock. I knew as shock. What's that? The guy's making a hundred million dollars a year. He can do what he wants to do. Oh, I but understand that. No, I'm not. Compared to the old Howard, who would do anything uh, to get somebody to turn on a radio and listen to him, now he, he could be selective as to what he does, who he says, uh, or uh, what he says, I should say, uh, uh, about people. He's getting more political. Uh, as you just brought out, but that's not the Howard I knew. I mean, I uh, I was still on the police department, and I've been retired for over thirty years. Wow! So he and I go back a long way. Uh, but uh, how uh, he and I first met, uh, he approached me. I, I, I had just retired, or I was about to retire, and I just got my PI license. And he was having some problems, and I don't, I don't want to go into that because it's, it's not really ethical, but he was having some problems and uh, that I could handle. And uh, we got to be we got to be close. I mean, the guy, the guy was just a very nice, down-to-earth, regular guy. I mean, he, uh, he went out of his way to, to, to help me uh, uh, on various things. I, I, I can give you an example. Uh, we had uh, had a relationship uh, just about two or three years uh, when he published his first book, uh, Private Parts. 
Uh, Private Parts, for those of you who don't know, because it's been a while, was a runaway bestseller. And to this day, was the biggest selling book out of the gate. In other words, from day one in publishing history. And no one's broke that record yet. Really? Successful book. And the woman... I'm glad you said yet, because we got a new book coming out. Of course. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the editor that handled it for him, uh, Judith Regan, was uh, an editor for a publisher. You know, it's a uh, publishing houses, for those of you who don't know, when your agent, uh, a, a, a writer's agent, goes to a uh, publisher, that manuscript is given to an editor. And depending on the size of the publishing house, there could be numerous editors. I mean, the sky's the limit. Some of the biggest uh, publishing houses, they've got floors of editors. And he just happened to draw the Judith Reagan straw because there's a list. And uh, the next editor catches the next manuscript. And she was lucky enough to get Howard's book. And it made her a star to the point where she got her own imprint, which means that she now has Judith Reagan books, an imprint of whatever uh, publishing house she works for. And that's a big deal. She became uh, an overnight success with Howard. That said, he called me one day and he said that she's having she's having problems that she can use uh, the aid of a PI with. And once again, I don't want to go into what, what they were, but it really doesn't make a difference. Right. The point is I successfully handled the case, like I always do. I submitted a bill and she stiffed me. What? Uh, yeah. You're uh, kidding. Typical Hollywood. In fact, you know, this wasn't an over-the-phone thing. He personally called her and said, I, I got the PI for you. Uh, he's very good. And I, I went to her apartment, a beautiful apartment on uh, Central Park West. And and we talked for a while and uh, very personable. Not me, her. Uh, and uh, she, she hired me and I did the job. I ran up a bill of several thousand dollars. And uh, generally in this business and like, any other service business, it's a 30-day net. And you give somebody a bill, you wait 30 days, you get paid. 30 days came, 30 days went. So I waited another 15 days, then you send the polite reminder in the mail, perhaps we crossed in the mail, that type of thing. Didn't hear a thing. 60 days, nothing. Let me be devil's advocate for a minute. When, when he said, I have, I mean, if Howard called me and they were that close and she just made him bigger than he was maybe she interpreted that when i have the pi for you that he had a no 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 we discussed rates oh you did oh with her oh cool. you know i'm not going to walk in well you left that out of the equation sir that's why i, well, asked I, that I question. assume that, that that you folks and that the fifty thousand people that are listening to us know how pis do business i was wrong we never hired <laughs> a, I, I never had a pi never yet in my life that. <laughs> Not only uh, that, Megan, do you ever hire a PI? Can't say I have. Me either. No, she, <laughs> even in my old age, I never hired a PI, so I don't well, know how that well, works. Um, Megan hasn't been married yet, so uh, no, she hasn't hired a PI. But anyway, <laughs> uh, no. Well, I've, I've been married and, four times and got ten mothers. I didn't hire a PI yet either. <laughs> yeah, but the day's not over. You know, anyway. The day is young. Uh, no, we, we always discuss rates. Uh, PIs charge by the hour. Except if they go out of town, they charge by the day. Well, I gave her the hourly rate. I forgot what it was. But because it was Howard who uh, recommended me, I didn't ask for a retainer. Because I figured a friend of Howard's is a friend of mine. 
Uh, normally, I would ask for a retainer. Everybody asks for a retainer. Lawyers ask for retainers. PIs always ask for retainers. In this case, I didn't do it as a courtesy. Anyway, after 60 days, I'm not getting paid. And I ask myself, self, what am I going to do to get this money? Uh, uh, I don't know how much it was, but it was uh, it was more 5,000, somewhere around there. Uh, and I, do I want to bother Howard Stern with this? I mean, he gave me this case. Am I going to lay it on him? No, I'm not. I figured I'm, I'm going to have to eat this 5,000 and uh, lesson learned. So about a couple of months after that, Howard calls me and uh, says, hey, how did everything work out with Judith? And I hesitated. Like it's a second. And he picked right up on it. Cool. Said, Tell me what happened. I'm not going to lie to the guy. And I told him uh, that I never got paid. He said, how long is it? I told him that. He said, you're going to be available for the rest of the day. I said, I'll be in my office. Called me back within an hour. And he said, uh, your check is being overnighted to you. You'll have it tomorrow. Well, I owe that to him. However, fast forward about 10 years, I wrote a book called Whiteout uh, on a, about an undercover DEA agent uh, that was very successful, wound up uh, working in South America. Great story. My agent, well, our agent, uh, Johnny and I, of course, have the same agent, Frank Wyman. Uh, Mr. Agent, just great. He said, uh, this, is, this is a fantastic book. I'm going to uh, send it out. Who does he send it to? Well, he sends it out to a lot of people, but one of the people who got it was Judith Reagan. I love it. And, well, she she basically blacklisted me. Wow. Said, In this book, and uh, uh, no one else is going to publish this book either. So uh, Frank got back to me and he said, what the hell did you do to this woman? <laughs> so I, I said, I didn't do anything. She was embarrassed, I guess. Anyway, I, I could not. He said, I, well, I heard do. she's a bitch. Well, you said it. I didn't. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I said, I heard it. I didn't know she yeah, is. It's a rumor. That's a rumor going it's around. It's a big rumor about her. Anyway, Frank uh, was, you know, felt very bad for me. He said, this is, I can't sell this book. So we had to find another author. That author had to rewrite the entire book, and he sent it out, and it was uh, that author got that book published. But she and, and you got no money from that. I don't so, know how that works. Well, the book didn't sell because I wrote it, and she said this book. Fortunately, she didn't just she didn't blackball me. Period. But she, after that, after Howard's book, she had tremendous power. Oh, I know. You know, she was, and she still does. Look, she's very good at what she does. I'm not denying that. Is she still around? I was just going to ask you. I, I, I hear nothing she's, about her. No, she's an Uber agent. She's really, really big an, uh, rather, uh, a, editor. An Uber? Really and good at what she does. She what, has power. What kind of agent? I, I mean, Uber? She's a agent. She's not, not an agent, pardon me. She's an editor for a, for a publishing house. In this case, it, it was her own imprint, but she... Well, that's over, though, right? Pardon me? That her 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 publishing is done, isn't it? Regan no, no. Books. She is an editor for a publishing house. Howard comes along; she gets her own imprint. She's no, I know own. that part of it, but I thought All that right. was well, taken away from she, her. She turned down my book, and uh, hey, look, I've gotten books turned down before. I mean, it happens. Right. But this was a good publishable book. I mean, it was a really good book. 
uh, and she spread the word that this book will not get published, and it didn't. So uh, uh, my the guy that I wrote the book about, it was uh, Jerry Spizzial. Uh, he uh, Frank had to find him another writer. The book came out, went nowhere, uh, and that was the end of that story. I was thankful that I wasn't blackballed in the entire industry. Wow. She, she, yeah, nice lady she was. This is the same woman who had an affair with the then police commissioner, Bernie Carrick, who was married. Carrick and her were using a, uh, a supplied city apartment downtown to uh, meet. And why did she go with him? It's such a, and why, why are we talking so much Howard. about Judith? I thought Howard. we were talking about Howard Stern. We're doing like yeah, well, five minutes this on is, this bitch. Get off. Forget about her. Okay, well, we're done with her. Move on. Let's go to Howard. Well, Howard, Howard did the right thing by me. He always did. I mean, his, uh, he had a, a limousine driver, Ronnie, who I could use any time. The nice guy. I mean, I, I did him some favors, which I won't get into, but uh, in my capacity of, you know, with, with my connections and all. But uh, I, I, Howard was a great guy. I mean, uh, and after I moved to where I'm living now, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you lose touch. And I got a call, uh, must have been about geez, 15, 20 years ago, that one of his employees was having a severe problem that with threats to his life. And I handled that. And uh, that was the last time I heard from him until you and I wanted to get you on his show. Now, you have a relationship with him. Oh, I had before a relationship. Into- oh, I'm sorry. Gianni, just a second. Before we continue on about Howard Stern, do you want to take a quick break? Oh, yeah, please. Got to make money, kids. So we'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco extra virgin olive oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com. And we're back. As I was uh, uh, asking uh, right before the break, you have your own relationship with Howard, uh, which is even closer than mine. Well, uh, my, mine started off very unique because, you know, I, I was still in doing the business I did. And, and anybody that wrote my book knows how many business I was in at one time. But I, I, I'm not an early riser, and his show is on early in the morning. And I get a phone call from his producer. I forgot the kid's name because he went. My relationship with went, spanned a couple of years, so he went through three or four different ones. So he, this kid calls me. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. And I said, uh, how would you get this number? He said, well, Howard gave it to me. I said, Howard Stern? He said, yeah, Howard Stern's on the air right now with a friend of yours, Pat Cooper, and Jimmy Kahn. I said, well, Pat Cooper's my friend. Jimmy Kahn's not. And this is before I really started publicizing about Jimmy and my relationship. But uh, I said, but it's just too early, and I hung up. So they called back again. 
with them on the air now. They thought that was very funny because I hear them laughing and all that. Come on, get up, you bum, Pat Cooperstein, which, you know, I, I, I love the guy, and he's very funny. I said, well, you know, I wouldn't do that. I said, but I need preparation. Uh, call me tomorrow around 11. So Howard chimed in. He said, we don't, we're not on at 11. I said, now I know I didn't do your show, and I hung up again. <laughs> <laughs> so they started calling me because I guess people were, you know, having fun with it and egging them on. So I kept saying, listen, Howard, I don't want to do your show. I think I was in my 60s. That's how long ago it was. And anyway, so finally the guy calls me, uh, Steve Grasso, while he was with, uh, he was with um, CBS Radio, I think. Where, where was his biggest thing before Sirius? It was CBS, right? No, he was on, uh, he was on uh, NBC for years, and he got uh, released from that contract, and he went to WF. No, that was Imus. No, he was on, he wasn't on CBS. He had the, uh, he, he had the morning show on NBC or the afternoon show on NBC. Before he contacted you, I just had the morning show, and then he went somewhere else, but it wasn't CBS. Whatever it was. Whatever it was, but I, I, the only reason I know, because I know Steve Grasso was a, a program manager for CBS. Oh, who cares? The bottom right. line is that, so now he calls me, and he said, listen, come on the show, and I was doing a lot more at that time, not just you know my nightclubs and more movies and all that. So I said, yeah, I'll come on. I said, but I have to talk to Howard before I go on. So he called me. I said, no, Howard, I want to have a private conversation with you. I have no problem coming to the show. I'm a few blocks away. I think they were on 57th Street. They were on Madison Avenue. Okay. You and keep I correcting me, and I'm just going to tell you where I went. I went to 57th Street <laughs> to a high-rise business building in McGraw-Hill. That's where I went, okay. to that building. So, I go there, and I said, I got to talk to Howard. And they said, well, I'll go in the green room, and he comes with this guy. I said, Howard, I want to talk to you alone. He said, well, Johnny, I don't you know, talk to people alone. I said, we're in your office. What am I going to do to you? So he dismissed the guy. And the only reason I want to say it, because I think it's very funny. And uh, he said, what do you want to talk about? I said, I just want to say this to you, okay? I, I know the flavor of your show. I think I was like 65, let's say. I said, I'm 65 years of age. I really don't like people insulting me on the air or doing spontaneous stuff. So I just want you to know, you could have the highest rating today, bigger than you'll ever have, or you could have your normal ratings by just treating me right. He's, how would I get the highest rating? I said, because you insult me, I'm going to choke you to death with your microphone wire on the air. <laughs> he fell apart. He fell apart. He said, oh, I you, love that. He said, you are, he did. He said it on the air. He said, I'm threatened. But you know what happened with him? Even if, if you ever look up that show, you should see the first, uh, look up Johnny I, Russo. I watched Pro it just today. Oh, did you? He was yeah. he was defending me. People were calling in saying, "Oh, he don't know what he's talking about," and he it, it shut him down. You can't talk to him that way. He hung up. Hung, he he thought even if somebody in the audience or somebody calling in offended me, I'd get offended. But then I started doing the show, and it was great for me. He used to bring me on for the craziest things. To to uh, he had me judge the ugliest 
strip t- uh, stripper in New York. He had all these ugly strippers coming on the show, and I judged which one. And you know, uh, um, what was her name? Robin. And uh, you know, it was a crazy time. That's Audie Lang. But I did the show so many times, and like you pointed out, when the book came out, unbeknownst to you and I, I, we didn't know it. He had another book coming. So I mentioned you, and he knew who you were and all that. I said, you know, Howard, even just give me five minutes, walk on, just talk about it. There's a lot of stuff you could talk about. And, and I told this to the producer, and the guy never got back to me. And you and I had conversation. I yeah. think you reached out too, didn't you leave a message? I did. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I uh, spoke to the producer. Who's, uh, his, his name escaped me too. He was known as, he was known as Baba Booey on the yeah. show. Yeah. But anyway, he said, uh, you know, uh, Howard is not currently having a lot of guests. He doesn't like to do in-person interviews anymore. And I'm thinking, that's not true. I know. Got guests all the time. At least but come up with they, something that's true. <laughs> he put in the, you know, not that many uh, interviews anymore. And he's really picking and choosing who he wants to talk to. And I said, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Gianni Russo was on that show 20 times. And you had had a contest once about your most popular guests, and he won. <laughs> I said, what, what's the downside of, of, of uh, I said, I don't want to come on the show. You know, I'm just, the, you know, it's his book. He said, well, Howard's got a book coming out. Basically the same time our book came out. And that's what he told me then. He sent a yeah. message, very apologetic. Johnny, yeah. I got to focus on this book, and uh, yours and our, you know, our book, like you pointed out, coming out around the same time. So I understood that as business. So so I waited as we, you and I did six, seven months later. Yeah. And still, <laughs> there, there was no response. So anyway. No. No. So when was the last time you were on there? Oh, I don't even remember, to be honest with you. Had Would it, be, it have been that, that 15 years ago or no? No, maybe. Sooner than that. More maybe, recent? Maybe 10, eight, maybe, I don't know. But I mean, it's it's not not only that. But I'm saying, Howard's wasn't never. I knew, and like you, Pat, I never knew Howard not to be personal enough to people that he liked, and he was getting very standoffish. And now, even like my son Anthony, they they, they most of my sons listen to this guy. They're you know they're all driving to work. They're all doing that, that drive time in the morning, and then you can put them on serious and listen to them anytime you want. And I'm overhearing a lot of their replies about Howard, where he's not the same guy anymore. And now he's having no guests, and he works three days a week. And I think, you know, uh, what's his wife's name, Beth? Uh, What was his? Beth Strosky. Yeah, Beth. I didn't want to know her last name. But I, I, you know, I met them out so many times. And in fact, uh, another thing I pulled on him, maybe he held that against me. He got married on a Friday night, or Thursday or Friday night, at Le Cirque, right around the corner from me. So, I'm, I'm, I call up Billy, the head bartender. I said, Billy, I'll be over at nine. Can you save me those three stools in the corner? He said, well, we're close to a private party. I said, the whole place is closed? He said, yeah. Howard Stern took her for his wedding. So now I'm pissed. I said, I didn't even invite me to his wedding. So I got dressed and I went over at nine o'clock. The, w- the wedding, <laughs> the wedding was in full swing. Yeah. Everybody knows me. They're not going to say where you invited. They know me already. 
I'm there all the time. So every even the security that Le Cirque had walked me in. Billy asked the two people of his guests, because they were all over the place, upstairs, downstairs, if we would move over. And I gave me the three stools I wanted. <laughs> and I was there by myself. And I guess word got to him about it. About Who cares? I don't care about that. But I, I didn't want to be there. Everybody in the world was there but me. So I just hung out and did what I did. And I, I drank on him. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think why I brought her up, though, you know, she's an animal uh, uh, activist. She's, she's got him. They, they have a reserve out in the Hamptons now. And maybe as he's maturing, I mean, I don't know how many, I mean, if I were him doing that show, what's it, what, you, what would you say, 30, 40 years now, Pat? Well, I started listening to him uh, in 1977. Oh, my God. Wow. Doing that five days a week, I could never do it. I mean, Jesus. So He's a self-made guy. I mean, he started out in a tiny little station in Massachusetts. Well, I know, and then I heard the story, and he brought Robin with him. Yeah, she's a yeah, millionaire. Everybody made a lot of money. Well, he's uh, he's 66 now. That's all he is? Yeah. He and looks last, terrible for 66. The last I read of him, well, he never looked too good when he was 46. I mean, you know, he's not the most handsome guy in the world, but he's personable. I'll give him that. But uh, he was answering his his critics, or, or the, the, there were rumors that he was going to quit this year. I mean, the guy... Could quit, yeah, financially well off, but he uh, he put down those rumors. He said, "No, I'm not going anywhere." Uh, but well, I've noticed that the biggest change that I've noticed in him is he's become very cognizant of politics, right? Uh, uh, publicly so. I know that's what that's what everybody's noticing. But I'm also hearing in the industry that his ratings are going down because of it. So well, you have to look at it this way. If he does if he comes out against a politician like say Trump, he's always knocking Trump. They're probably fifty percent of his audience. You know, Yeah, he, you're isolating you're isolating a lot of people there. Yeah, you bring it up doesn't, it at doesn't either make, side. Yeah, well, if you're in uh, my opinion is uh if you're in the public eye, particularly with the fame that he has, you can't take sides for anything because you're gonna lose half of yeah. your listenership. Uh considering uh, you know the, the, the presidential vote. It was almost 50-50. You're going to lose millions and millions of listeners. Well, you I know, cares. I, I, I had a conversation not too long ago with Bobby De Niro. And Bobby was getting very political. And I was very close to Jane Fonda. In fact, Jane Fonda was with me the weekend before she won the Oscar. I forgot for what, so many years ago. And she was getting political then, but then she married that guy who owned CNN or whatever that is. And, but her career went to the toilet. But she made millions of dollars by doing her exercise tape. But her career really never came back from where it was because, like you're pointing out, you can't pick and choose. You're an entertainer. Yeah. And if, if you're going to divide your audience by 50, and with De Niro, they're boycotting everything Nobu because of him. I mean, it's uh, that's that's a political nightmare well, if you for recall, you, business-wise. Gianni, if you recall, when our book was coming out, uh, uh, De Niro was uh, kind enough to give us a blurb. He, he's on the cover of our right, book, right? Blurb, but uh, it was kind of iffy if they wanted to use him. 
I know. I mean, we had the conversation. But yeah. th- th- I mean, and we left it up to the publishers. The main publisher, too, in London, they just thought the name, being that he was associated to the Godfather, made sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't give forwards to nobody. Yeah. And so with that, they went with it. I don't think, I mean, maybe he got us somebody to buy the book, but as a tribute to you, the book is what it is because of what's in the book and you wrote well, it. it. doesn't. It, it also doesn't hurt that his, uh, his name is on the cover. No. But w- when he came out with that, with that highly insulting, profane tirade against Trump that oh went viral all over the world, that hurt him. Oh, my God, yeah. And that was about the time our book was coming out. And that was where all the controversy was. And of course, the book sells on its own, but it doesn't hurt when somebody's walking through a bookstore and sees Robert De Niro's name on the cover. Because, as you say, he doesn't lend his name to hardly anything. I don't, right. I don't know what he's done in the past, but right. he doesn't give blurbs. He doesn't write forwards. He doesn't well, that, that's what I had. The problem I had with Pacino, I approached Pacino, who's you know close to me. We did any given Sunday. You know, I, I, I've, I've actually gave him advice on a couple of things that are personal. And uh, I asked him for a forward. And I wasn't getting an answer, so I called his attorney's office again, because that's how you got to go through him. You got you got protocol. And uh, he called me. He said, Johnny, I would love to do it for you. I read your book. It's amazing. I said, well, I, all I wanted, like a blurb, man. He said, well, if I do your book, which I understood immediately when he said it, he said, I've turned down so many friends prior to you and then once if I do you, I'm going to be doing this once a week. And I really don't want to do that. And I don't want to be put in a position. And I, and I understood it. But at least he explained it right. You know what I'm saying? And not knowing that, you know, the, that, I'm, well, when hindsight's twenty twenty. once he said that, I can only imagine how many people are writing books and they feel it, you know, I could go to him and, and he would be doing it for no reason. Yeah. And it wouldn't be special then either. What do you think of Megan with all of this going on? Your group listens to Howard Stern. Your brother probably yeah, listens one, to Howard Stern. I don't I don't I personally have never even tuned into Howard Stern. I'm very aware of who he is and I'm sure I've heard things here and there, but I've never purposefully listened. It's just not something I've ever been into. Um, but when watching your one interview with him from I guess around fifteen years ago or so, you were talking about how the thirty fifth anniversary of The Godfather was coming up. Okay. Um it was a very interesting interview, and one thing that I noticed immediately, and I'm sure it's very well known about Howard Stern, is that he's quite vulgar in how he asks questions and what he talks about. So how did you feel about that? Were you uncomfortable at all? Do you remember that at all? Or Well, I knew that was, his, that was his profanity in the way he does. Right? So it's, I think that's him. It wasn't me. I didn't, I didn't get into the cursing game or use the vulgarity or anything. But that's what we're talking about now. That's no longer. He doesn't do that anymore. And I, oh. and I could see Beth maybe smacking his hand. Maybe she w- listens to the show, and every time he says a curse, she's got to g- give $1,000 in the cookie jar or something. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, and that's what I'm just, I'm, again, I don't, I don't get up to, for anything in the morning. And, uh, yeah. But 
Oh, I'm he here. Very, he was very interested in, in the details of your escapades with people like Marilyn Monroe, and he was definitely not afraid to ask about anybody and everybody. Oh, no. I think you handled it. You handled it very well. I'll compliment you on that. But it was just, it was almost shocking to me, the types of things he was asking. No, but the interesting thing to me that was even more shocking off the air, once I got into the, the car to drive me home right after the show, my personal cell phone rang. And I didn't recognize the number, so I picked it up. And it was Hillary Clinton's office. And she was listening to the show when oh, Howard after that show. When Howard got Yikes. so detailed about Bill and I being in Europe to I mean, in uh, Double Bay, Australia together. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I mean I still laugh at it because I you know and I said, okay, who's this? And they said, well, I, I'm, I represent Hillary Clinton. That's great. And she said, well, Hillary and Bill have an understanding that they don't talk about Bill's escapades. I said, well, that's great they have that understanding. I said, but I didn't talk to about anything. And I hung up. They called back. <laughs> they said, did we get disconnected? I said, no, I hung up. I don't know why you're calling me. <laughs> I, got not, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, disobey any of her orders. She said, well, you're going to be sorry if she becomes president. I said, I really am going to be. She said, what do you mean by that? (laughs) I said, because if she becomes president, I'm moving to Italy. (laughs) And you hung up again. And I hung up again. But I can see why she would be a little bit uh, concerned about the topics. Yeah. (laughs) No, but... uh, For anybody who hasn't seen it, I I think it's out there. I found it on Facebook somewhere. I just Googled it, so... It's a fascinating interview. Well, that's, I mean, I, that's, I, I like hearing that from, again, your age group, that it was entertaining. Wasn't his show entertaining? The fact that's that you true. never yeah. listened, you, you know, saw, at least saw broke, that one. He broke ground. Oh, no. He was, he was the, to do what he did. Wasn't his nickname the shock jock for the longest time? Well, it, it, shock jock is a term used. Like a type of radio yeah, a disc jockey fans. that shocks you all the time. Well, they called they called Imus a shock jock, but they were on the same network. They were, they were both on NBC. Imus in the morning, Howard in the afternoon, and they try to outdo each other. Uh, Howard won. Hmm. You know, I, I think basically because of the uh, the age difference, he was a little more hip, and he attracted a younger audience. Uh, and but he was outrageous. Howard, I mean. With him, there were no boundaries at all. Uh, I, I just had a few. Either that or he didn't have the uh, creativity that Howard had. Well, probably not. I mean, I've some seen weird, Howard out. do some weird stuff. But spontaneous, he's funny. He does yeah. wherever he's at. And anybody who's ever seen him, not only Jimmy Kimmel's and all those shows, I mean, the, the guy is hilarious. Well, he did a good job on uh, America's Got Talent. He was a host for a couple of years, one of the judges, I should say. Yeah. He was yeah. Yeah. I mean, he uh, he had a very good presence. No, but again, I think it's his spontaneity that yeah. makes him who he is. It's not scripted, it's not boring. You yeah, never he's know what's going to Yeah, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. <laughs> but um Well, then, I don't know about now though, but Yeah. Yeah. So, where are we here with time? I I feel like I feel I, I was supposed to do a commercial. 
No, I feel I was supposed to do you another. You might throw two into conversations. We can put two commercials in one break. They'll no, figure but, it out. But see, <laughs> but see in my mind how my mind. It was in the back of your head. The whole back time. of my I head about six minutes ago, I should have did a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can wrap it up whenever you want. No, I'm very conscious of, of us. And first of all, exploiting some of the things that's very dear to me and all of us indirectly. That again, and thank the audience for expanding us. But uh, the uh, Corleone Fine Italian, just go online and get it. And I think it's time then for Pat to do his spot on his books. And we'll be right back. Our second sponsor tonight is very close to me personally because you know how I love to dress. La Cosa Mia will be coming soon. This is just a teaser. Each week, we'll be bringing you more ways to get in touch once their website is up. This line of clothing is from all over the world, and I'm sure you'll want to wear it. Hi, Patrick Picciarelli here. Before we get to our listeners' emails, a quick word about the new fiction book series I've launched. Private investigator Ray Yale tackles his first two cases in Bloodshot Eyes and The Pop Line. Both books are in paperback and are available on Amazon.com. I've been a PI for 30 years, and these books are based on my cases. Enjoy. All right, we're back. The favorite part of my show, or I should say one of the favorite parts of my show, is the mailbag. I love hearing from so many different people from all over the world now. Megan, do you ever figure out how many countries have... A, Basically, people have contacted us from around the world. Do you have a number? Oh, that's tough. I mean, we've we've had so many. Even the newsletter alone, I can see the stats for that because I run that whole thing. And even that, we have multiple different countries. I'm sure Mike could look that up for our stats. But it's got to be all all over the place. Remember the one we had one from Malaysia one time? They're everywhere. I know. Thank God. Thank God to all of you, man. And thanks for the reviews. And thanks for subscribing to our newsletter. It's only going to get so much better as an advantage to you for us to be able to pay you back with different rewards. And uh, I guess it's out of the bag by now. Uh, We're expanding our family. And um, during this week, you'll be getting newsletters that came out in, what, February 1st? When, When did the first letter go out, Megan, the newsletter about the family? Um, it went out today. Okay, perfect. As we're recording this. Yeah, so it'll be, it will have been weeks. Perfect. All right, great. Well, let's get into the news bag and see who wants to know what now. <laughs> All right. Here we go. First one is from Dean. If Frank Costello were here today, what do you think he would think of your success? Oh, I think he'd be so proud of me because, you know, uh, Costello, the last time I was with him, he was very depressed and uh, was right after The Godfather came out. So it had to be 72. And the world knows he died in 73 soon after. But uh, he just liked how I manipulated, even while I was still working with him, opening nightclubs and doing this and being so diverse. But I always presented it with him first and said, are you okay if I do this? Go ahead, do it. Just don't, you know, just don't mention my name. 
And at that time, he was already staying a lot out at Sandy Point. Most people don't know he had a house out there. So when he left the Majestic on the weekends to go to Sandy Point, or go, he loved deep sea fishing, and he used to do a lot of fishing with Tony Accardo. But as I found out later, as I left the city also, uh, not to come back as a permanent resident until, not, until many years later, he did the same thing and went out there and just, I guess, waited for death. But he, you know, all the guys that were really my mentors, they all died of natural causes. They all didn't go to jail. And, you know, when I look at that, you know, when you start to see some of the people that were around me who I really listened to and, and expired by was uh, major people. But uh, Costello, yes, he would be definitely proud of where I am and what I'm doing, even the way I'm handling talking about them and that organization. Next question. All right, next is from Teresa. Teresa says, I recently read a book on the life story of Marlon Brando, his tortured childhood, his love-hate relationship with acting, his inner workings and passion for social and political causes, etc. Having known him personally, what do you feel was his most fascinating characteristic? I, I mean, I found men, I mean, he was like a Jekyll and Hyde. You never knew who you were talking to. So, you know, I had such an interacting with him. But, I mean, he was definitely, definitely very um, deep into psychology. And he, he, he was very curious to the extent he would experiment. And um, some of it wasn't good. I mean, I still don't understand the Michael Jackson thing. But anyway, but um, moving on with that. Brando, I, I mean, I loved the guy until he died. He was, uh, 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 I, I want to say, more than a Damon Runyon character because he, he was that creative. But, you know, there's only, there only one Mullen Brando. What, what do you think, Pat? You've known ab about him. I don't know who else has that uh, you know, oddness about him. I think that he was very insecure. Does that make any sense? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just from uh, uh, talking to you when we, you and I first met and writing about him. I said, this is an insecure guy. And I've come to realize that now, you know, we're part of each other's world here, the three of us, that a lot of actors are insecure. Yep. Oh, my God, are they ever. Point, you know, like we're doing, well, I'm doing uh, research on, on uh, Frank Sinatra now. He's the poster boy for insecurity. Yep, yep. Uh, and who would think it? You know, he had was the most powerful guy in show business for many years, and he was he had no self esteem. No. Nope. Well, you know what? I, I, I could I could talk on his behalf because I was that close to him as a teenager, and fortunately, he allowed me to hang out with him, learn from him, and he taught me a lot of things of what not to be and do, because I watched him, and but. His, what, what the world knew about him and feared him for was they thought he was in the mob. He wasn't in the mob. He was controlled by the mob. That's a big difference. Big difference. <laughs> big difference. Moving on. All right, next is from Vinny. 
Then he says, Gianni, in the Howard Hughes book, it speaks about the hatred between Sinatra and Hughes. Sinatra even trying to ambush Hughes in his penthouse at the Sands and ended up with him having Sinatra thrown out of the now Hughes-owned Sands. What is your recollection of all of this, including Ava's rebuffing of Hughes, Frank's issue with Jackie Mason, and Frank threatening to kill Carl Cohen? I would think all of this will be in the next book. Well, the interesting thing, first of all, he can never have Carl Cohen killed. I was there that night. He was wrong. He was told he was wrong when they picked up his teeth off the floor. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, see, those quotes in itself makes you think he had that power. The thing with Howard Hughes is that Ava Gardner would never stop seeing Howard Hughes. Even while she was dating Frank. She was a woman of her... She, I think she just did it to get Frank crazy to let her know that you, you're you not going to tell me what to do. And she knew... She was in an affair with Hughes long before Sinatra. In fact, they used to, they used to go to the Macombo and all that. I mean, I used to see them out in Beverly Hills. But she was out with everybody that she wanted to be seen with. She was a smart woman. Plus, she didn't need Frank. And, and the one that was, as we're going to as you'll find out in our book, he basically needed her and needed her in, in so many ways, which well, we don't want to divulge now, but it's, um, it's that whole thing. And that, that really, when they said that Howard, you know, threw him out of the sands, no, when Howard bought the sands, the people that were controlling Frank, like Costello and the other mobsters from all the major cities, they all moved to Caesar's Palace. He was going there anyway. But Howard, you know, as we, that's maybe another book down the road, Howard represented the United States government just to infiltrate Vegas and find out what was going on with the mob money. But nobody was going to be working with, I mean, the only guy that took the place of Frank Sinatra was Wayne Newton, and Howard Hughes loved the guy, literally. <laughs> But moving on. All right. Next is from Gino. Johnny, what has been the strangest fan encounter you've ever had? The strangest fan encounter happened after my first movie, The Godfather. I was in Chicago, and a lady crossed the street yelling at me, calling me Carlo, and literally started beating me with her pocketbook. And I'm saying, wait a minute, what's what's going on here? And fortunately, a a foot cop came over. He didn't know who I was. And he stopped the lady. And then she started hysterical crying, holding the cop. (laughs) And I'm saying, what is this? And I'm trying to see her face. Do I know her? Is she an ex-wife? Who is this lady? (laughs) And she went on to explain that I was the reason for her having a miscarriage. And I'm saying to myself, who are you? (laughs) And the cop said, how did he do that? He said, well, my (laughs) husband was obsessed with Carlo. And he used to beat me. And he beat me one time so severely, I had a miscarriage. And I blame it on Carlo. I mean, that's that's a a strangest fan. (laughs) I don't don't want those kind of accolades or recognition. But she was what? I'm sorry. Yeah, Pat, I was about to say, I guess that means that you pulled off the uh, scenes so well, made it seem believable. That's what I'm saying. You were such a good actor. 
You almost got yourself. Right. Yeah, I almost got she myself beat she up by a woman. Couldn't separate you from the character. No. And but. the Oscar goes to the late Gianni Russo. Or the or the lady <laughs> beat me over the head. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would think that's probably in most actors. That that's a tough one to top. Yeah, that's wild. All right, this one is also from Gino. Patrick, who was the celebrity you most admired growing up? How about now? Is that, of course, was... Pat or me? Oh. To you, wasn't it? Patrick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought, okay. Growing up, I would say uh, Jackie Gleason because he would always come into my father's restaurant. And Jackie Gleason, for those of you who don't know who he is, he, he, he was a comic. But he was the he was the king of television in uh, in the fifties through the early seventies. Uh, in fact, his show, The Honeymoon, is still on. I watched right, it last right. night. Uh, he was the guy that I most admired. Then, even though he scared me a little, he was one mean drunk. And uh, now, the actor I most admire for, for talent, because I don't I don't know the guy. I mentioned this in the past. It's probably uh, Denzel Washington. I think he's a phenomenal yeah. actor. Yeah. And I, I, I decided that when I saw the movie Fences. Did you guys see Fences? No. No. It was a Broadway play for years. He did the movie about four years ago. So it's got to be on cable now. It's a, it, it's a, it's a period piece. It takes place in Pittsburgh uh, in the 50s or 60s. I never saw acting like that. I mean, I was exhausted watching the guy. So he's he's the actor that I that I most admire. That's great that you would pick Jackie Gleason. That's wild. Well, because I, I was exposed to the guy. You know, I, when they were filming the the Hustler, he invited my father and I to uh, see the shots, uh, uh, the, the the scenes shot at Ames Pool Room. Oh yeah. He, he was a great pool shooter. Literally, yeah, in real yeah, life. Uh, Jackie did his own his own uh, uh, pool shooting. In the, in oh, the nice. Movie. He was the best. Willie Moscone did uh, Paul Newman's shots. Right. Moscone was the champ of the world in, in pool at the time. He also was the uh, ball boy who racked the balls after right. each game. Right. That was his part. But, uh, you know, I mean, that that was something, you know, to go in, uh, on the scene of a film. How old were you? About 12. Wow. No wonder why you were impressed. Yeah, it was released... In 1960, the shot in 58, if I'm not mistaken. I was 12 years old. That's amazing. Wow. Norman, who meets these people? <laughs> no, you're right. Old. Hello. So I, I, was, I was starstruck. I was impressed. Good. Moving awesome. on. All right. I think we have time for one more. This one is from Harry. Harry says, my grandparents came here from Sicily, and my mom was adamant about keeping our Italian heritage alive, which has always been instilled in me. I love hearing your story so much as it reminds me of my childhood and my ancestry. When was the last time you were in Italy? Do you plan to go back when all is normal again? I'm going back for sure. I mean, uh, in fact, the plane left today with six of our pre-production people on it to go over to, uh, by, you know, by the time this airs, you'll be knowing more about it. We're at uh, Cina Chita tomorrow having meetings, which is, a major studio. I shot a couple of movies there years ago. But uh, we'll be over there a lot. We're going to do a big part of our book becoming a 10-hour miniseries over there. So that uh, 
mean, I have homes there, so I'll go back. I got vineyards there, family there. Two of my sons <laughs> live there. I love Italy. It's great to go back. All right. Well, that's all we have for tonight. Well, thank you all. And as we say, and we'll keep saying, thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for subscribing now to our newsletter. And you have to give the reviews yet. We want it all. We want at least five or ten minutes of your day writing about us. And we'll do the same for you. You could send us your address and we'll write to you. Of course. But until then, good night, Pat. Good night, Megan. Good night, everybody. If you're feeling sad and lonely There's a service I could render I'm the one who loves you only I could be so warm, so tender Call me, don't be afraid, you can call me Maybe it's late, but just call me Tell me and I'll be around Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. Welcome to Feinstein's. I love being here, man. It's so much fun.